You're listening to the Soul's Human Experience Podcast. Together, we'll explore everything from spiritual topics to personal development so you can uplevel your human experience and make it the best one it can possibly be. I'm your host, Anna Schlinghoff. I'm a best-selling author, Reiki master, and transformation coach on a mission to remind you who you really are and all that you're capable of in this lifetime. Now let's get into today's topic. Hello, magical souls, and welcome back to another episode of the Soul's Human Experience podcast. This is a continuation of last week's episode, the second part of spiritual myths and unpopular opinions. Last week, I covered manifestation and happiness. This week, I'm going to continue on with the myths and unpopular opinions and cover staying high vibe, energy protection, universal lessons, and humility. That's a lot to cover, but before we jump in, I want to share a quick story with you about finding humor. If you've ever had the Trader Joe's mini ice cream cones, then you'll know what I'm talking about, but Trader Joe's has these delicious mini ice cream cones, and the ice cream on the top is covered with a chocolate shell. And as I was eating one on my couch, and somehow a piece of the chocolate shell flew and landed on the ottoman in front of the couch, except I didn't notice it until the next day when my husband pointed it out. So now there was this chocolate stain on the light gray ottoman. I thought, okay, let me go get the stain remover to clean it, which is this small bottle. And it was sitting under the sink behind another bottle. So I reached over that bottle to grab the stain remover and it fell out of my hand. So I tried to grab it again and it fell out of my hand again and again and again. And I'm not kidding. After five tries of of trying to grab this bottle, I just started laughing because it was so funny to me that I could not seem to hold on to this bottle. And I paused for a moment and I said, you know, thank you, universe, for that moment of humor. And then on the sixth try, I was finally able to grab it. But I could have just as easily gotten annoyed in that moment. That could have just as easily been an annoying part of my day. But instead, I chose to see it as a moment of humor. And I I thought it was funny. I thought it was a funny story to tell about finding humor in the everyday One thing I learned from Sonia Choquette is to ask for joy spirit guides in your day to make you laugh. I I love this idea, so I can't help but wonder, you know, if there are joy guides setting up this stuff for us to try and make us laugh. Isn't that a fun idea to think about? Or maybe I just couldn't hold on to it, but either way, I wanted to share that story. All right, let's get into today's topic, part two. So we had manifestation and its subconscious messaging of acquiring more, being not a good or helpful thing, the truth about happiness, and how to actually be happy instead. And the next one has to do with both of those first two, actually. All three of them overlap. Specifically, this next one is about staying high vibe and the popular opinion that you often hear is that you need to be high vibe in order to get what you want. Or in other words, become a vibrational match to the thing you want and you will attract it. 
and that if you don't match its vibration, then you won't receive it because you're not on the same frequency as that thing. Because all physical things do exist as energy before they exist in the 3D and after they exist in the 3D too because everything is energy. But pre-physical, they vibrate at a very high frequency, presumably one that's higher than you are. So first of all, it's completely unrealistic to expect yourself to be in a high vibration all the time. And the expectation alone brings in the energy of negative pressure because it's a condition of do this or else. Like, do this, stay high vibe or else, or you don't get what you're hoping to get. So you can't possibly fail or you won't get what you want to get. Now, you aren't failing at all because it's near impossible to achieve that. You can't fail at that because it's just near impossible. Unless you're an enlightened guru, maybe, and if you are, you're probably not manifesting anyway. You're going to have periods of lows. That's just the reality. And then we assume that low equates to bad and undesirable. And sure, it's probably safe to assume that most people would prefer to feel feelings of high, higher vibrations versus lower vibrations. And just to clarify, high vibration meaning happiness and feeling good versus low, feeling sad or feeling bad. And that's just a generalization, but just to clarify. But what if we could see times of low vibration differently? And I was thinking about this recently. Isn't there a sort of unique creativity almost that can come from those times? Isn't it a great time for deep introspection? Isn't it often a time of contraction that leads to expansion? Some really great ideas, stories, and growth have come from my own low times. I think of the tortured artist in a way whose pain is the fountain of their beautiful art. And it doesn't always have to be that way. We experience times of high vibration just like we experience low. That unfortunately leads to fearing the low because we know what it's like to experience the high. But you don't need to fear it. You don't have to try and push it away and not just because of the reasons that I said, but it also isn't going to affect your manifestations the way that you think it will. I can speak from personal experience that I have manifested things while I was overall not feeling very positive. I think what's more important than trying to maintain a state that's not maintainable is practicing the allowing of what is. So, for example, you're feeling happy and high vibe, great. You're experiencing a period of upset, also great. See how that changes the narrative. If it's meant for you, it's going to get to you. You don't need to put yourself into a certain state or a state of fear or worry or repelling of what's natural and going to happen. 
Will feeling good fast-track you? Yeah, maybe. But who cares? When you live in the certainty that it's destined for you and the surrender of the journey to it, you're going to enjoy the ride a lot more than trying to stay in the fast lane and being miserable the whole time just trying to stay there. Not to mention that that forcing is kind of low vibrational in itself. I just want to stress that there doesn't need to be any pressure attached to the way you feel at any given moment. I know I've found myself beating myself up for feeling sad for what I determined was a too long period of time. No need. Let it ride. It won't last forever. And the less you attach yourself to it, the quicker it will move on. And by not attaching yourself to it, I don't mean don't feel it. You should feel it and let it move through you, but not attach yourself to it in the way that you're simply observing. Okay, so completely switching gears now, the next topic I want to talk about is energy protection. And the rest of these are probably going to go pretty quickly. I am pretty sure this is a very unpopular opinion because... I've only ever heard one other person agree with me on this or say this, and they were one of my Reiki masters. And that is, you don't actually need energy protection at all. The idea that you need to do any kind of energy protection, ritual, practice, visualization, whatever it may be, in order to protect your energy is fundamentally completely unnecessary. Why? Because there is only one person who has control over your energy, and that is you. Absolutely no one can enter or disrupt your energy field without your consent. And having that belief is your energy protection. So as I'm saying this, if you're going, I don't think so, I don't think that's true, If that is your belief, then that is going to be your reality. But if you are 100% firm in the belief that you and you alone are in control of your energy, you're good. Your energy is solid. And many, many years ago, I did energy protection practices because I would consider myself an empath. And all I heard was like this, oh, if you're an empath, you need to protect your energy And I'm talking about practices, and I'm not talking so much about protecting your energy in the sense of putting yourself in situations that may affect your energy battery. That's different. I'm talking more about the protection of your aura or your energy body. And as an empath, speaking to anyone else who might be an empath, If you're not careful or if you don't hold that belief that your energy is your own, then yeah, your energy can be vulnerable more so than other people's. Do I think that energy protection exercises work? Yes. Why do they work? Because that's the belief that you've given it. That's the meaning that you've assigned to it. And so in that case, You're in the belief that you've done the practice and it's going to protect you. And that's why it works. So I'll say that you need to do what feels right for you. 
There's nothing wrong or harmful about energy protection if you do practice it. It's it's not going to hurt you. But I'm offering the idea that it's maybe not necessary and I would encourage you to instead try out the belief that your energy is yours and only yours and therefore impenetrable. The only caveat I will give to this point, this unpopular opinion, is if you know you are a reflector in human design, you naturally have a very open energy. And so it may be helpful for you to, in addition to having the belief that your energy is yours, visualize something like a golden shield around you. Simply because putting an image behind the belief may help solidify that belief of owning your energy when inherently you may have a harder time with that than most people. I know this firsthand because my sister is a reflector and she has a very open energy, which is a really beautiful thing, but also a tricky thing. Otherwise, I think energy protection is more about having this confidence and this knowing and this power over your own energy. Okay, let's move on to another quick one, which is humility. We have this cultural, societal idea that being humble is the way that you should act. Like if someone says to you, wow, you look so great. I love your outfit. What is your first reaction to that? Like what is your gut reaction to say back? Because for many people, it's probably, oh, it's old, it's nothing, or some form of downplaying yourself. We are so quick to shift credit away from ourselves because we don't want to be seen as arrogant. This shared cultural idea that liking yourself or being proud of yourself is somehow an unattractive quality to have. There's a popular clip of Snoop Dogg accepting an award and in his thank yous, in his speech, he says, and I'd like to thank me. Yes, 100% yes. And why shouldn't he? Did he not have responsibility for that effort? Why should he not be proud of himself? I think being humble dims our light. And I think there's a balance between shouting from the rooftops how awesome you are to other people because I think that's ego-driven and really more in comparison And that's where you get into trouble is when you let comparison into the conversation. Another example, I recently was scrolling TikTok and I saw this video. This girl got like some hate comment about her outfit. And so it was a video replying to the comment where she said, well, I have style and you don't. And I was like, I hope she's joking. That's where you get into trouble because I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I have style. Great. Like, I am so happy for you and I'm happy that you recognize that for yourself. But the minute that you bring in the and you don't, whether you say it or not, that's the sticky part. That's no good. Anyway, so when we're humble, we dim our light. And when we're not, when we're proud of ourselves, conversely, when we shine, we celebrate ourselves. 
wouldn't it be nice if it were as acceptable to say about yourself, I'm awesome, as it is to tell someone else that they're awesome? I just want this to be your permission slip to say it's okay to be proud of yourself, even if that means you're just practicing it in private to yourself. But I would honestly love to hear your thoughts on this one, on all of these topics, of course, but I think this one is probably the least accepted or rather the most accepted, whether you're talking about the way that it is or my unpopular opinion. What do you think about humility and the role that it plays both as an individual and on the level of society? I I would love to know what you think. So we've made it to the sixth and final unpopular opinion slash myth. And this, this, in my opinion, is another juicy one. I love this topic. It's lessons and tests from the universe. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm just going to come out and say it, and then I'll talk more about it in detail. I do not think this is earth school. I do not believe that the universe distributes tests and lessons for you to pass in earth school. I think that's all a bunch of BS. Now, I know this is an unpopular opinion (laughs) because even the great, wonderful, sage Ram Dass said earth is a school. So if everyone says it is, and the metaphor honestly works very well, why would I disagree? First of all, it's an inner knowing for me, kind of like the belief in a higher power, whatever that label is for you, it's kind of just an inner knowing, right? It's, it's kind of like that. And secondly, to understand why I would disagree, you have to understand what the universe is. Spiritually, the universe is one thing, and that is love. That's it. It's the energy of love. It is the conscious energy of love. Someone or something that loves you would never test you or make you prove yourself, purposely put you through trials of hardship and ask you to try and prove yourself. It just wouldn't. That is not how love acts. Love is compassionate, kind, and forgiving. So it's a fair question to ask then, why do we experience hardship? I'm sure this is, you know, where the earth school came to be and the lessons and the tests. I believe that many, if not most or all, of our challenges were set up by us, either as souls pre-planning for our earthly experience or as humans in our free will choices. But in both cases, you present yourself with opportunities for expansion. So to that end, I agree with most spiritual teachers and past life regressionists who say we are here to learn. The difference is I don't believe we're here for learning as our sole purpose because you hear a lot, we're here to learn and grow. Yes, but that's kind of like a byproduct. Learning just comes with the territory of the human experience, and it can't be removed from it. And it is an important part because without it, there would be no evolution of humanity. The more that we learn, the more that we grow, the more that we up-level. 
and raise the collective vibration of the planet for a better world. Which then begs the question of, you know, why would we even care about up-leveling humanity as a whole? I'm still pondering that question regularly. My personal belief is that there is some level of growth that humanity must experience. So as souls, we volunteer to come here to help push that evolution along, to help push that up-leveling along. The popular opinion is the idea of soul evolution. And soul evolution is the idea it seems most people subscribe to along with the Earth School idea. I didn't used to believe in soul evolution, and I'm not sure if I do, because if the soul is a perfect piece of the universe, then it can't possibly evolve into anything more or anything greater or anything more perfect than it already is if it already is an individuated perfect piece. And if there is no true hierarchy in the spirit world, which I think that in itself is kind of a debatable point, but for the sake of this, we'll say that there's not, then that further supports the lack of the need for soul evolution. I love listening to Past Life Regression and Journey of Souls, which is basically about that. Such a good book. And often in regression, you will hear about soul evolution and learning and growing and earth school and all these things. I am always open to changing my opinions, but I usually go by what I feel is right for me. And I suggest you do the same. As I have said before, take what resonates and leave the rest. I'm not sure we will ever know for sure on some of those. So you just have to listen to what you feel is true for you. My truth doesn't have to match your truth. There are so many people that swear that this is Earth School, and I just do not subscribe to that. It feels completely wrong to me. It probably doesn't help that I really did not like school. So the idea of school continuing on forever is a really bad energy for me. I much prefer to think of my time here as a time to enjoy life to the fullest extent possible. And when challenges arise, I don't think of them as tests or lessons or some somehow to prove myself, but rather as opportunities to expand and up-level myself and become a better human, and therefore also bettering the world as a whole. Because when you help yourself, you automatically help other people. It creates such a gorgeous ripple effect in the world. I think I will end it here, and I really hope that you've enjoyed listening to all of these myths and unpopular opinions. I hope that you've gained a new perspective, maybe, or if you completely disagree with me and are even now more firm in your own opposite belief, I think that's beautiful, too. Sometimes we have to hear what we don't like to reinforce how we feel. I would love to hear your thoughts on all of these, and in general, if you have questions, stories to share, you can email me at hello at anashlinghoff.com. I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Soul's Human Experience podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's chat, click the follow button so that you never miss an episode. Please support this podcast by leaving a review, which helps ensure you get more episodes to benefit your human experience.